Welcome back to Beyond Well. Today, we're going to talk more about seasonal affective disorder. I'm Sheila Hamilton, your host. Well, I guess today I'm actually not the host. I'm in the hot seat. Today, I'm actually being interviewed. I was invited to share my thoughts on seasonal depression on the show City Cast Portland, which, by the way, if you're not following it and you live in Portland, is an amazing podcast. Graciously, they're letting me share the show with you. Enjoy. It's that time of year when Portland's gray weather can make even the most cheerful of us feel a little down. Seasonal depression is a very real thing. And for those already struggling, it can be incapacitating. So we're going to spend this entire week here at CityCast Portland talking with experts about a whole range of ways to protect our mental health. Our guest today has an interesting backstory. Sheila Hamilton was once a TV anchor at KATU here in Portland. But after her husband died by suicide, she quit her job and dedicated her life to demystifying and normalizing conversations about mental health. She's written books and founded Beyond Well, a company and podcast that provides mental health services and training. So we thought we'd ask her to share some of her best advice to mentally survive our gloomy winters. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is CityCast Portland. Sheila, thank you so much for being here. Uh, so just how bad is seasonal depression here compared to other places? Well, you look at the map and we're really bad. I mean, the further north you go, the greater the likelihood that you're going to suffer from seasonal affective disorder. And nationwide, it's about 5% of people. But if you look at the concentration of people who suffer in the Northwest in particular, I think it's up to 10 to 12% of people report suffering from these kind of syndromes that start in November and don't really begin lifting until, you know, May or June. Yeah. So why does light make such a huge difference in our mood? Well, you know, our our kind of happy zone is really controlled by the hormone serotonin and the difficulty with not getting enough light in your eye during the winter is that your levels of serotonin really drop and it also impacts the levels of melatonin, which can make you feel really sleepy and sluggish. And so we kind of have this really brilliantly formed pineal gland, which is monitoring all of that. And if you don't get enough true light in that eye, it is saying to the body, it's time to shut down, it's time to hibernate, it's time to eat carbs, it's time to feel like crap. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's some sort of like evolutionary thing that has caused us to feel this way, but it's really interesting to me because I experience it. Um, I know many of my friends experience it and it got way worse the longer I was in Portland. Yeah. I mean, I've had friends who've moved from like Austin or uh, just basically the Southwest and they'll last one winter. Yeah. And I'm just like, nope, not worth it. Yeah. I, I also think that it's it's not just because of the rain. I personally love the rain. It's that color gray that never seems to budge during the mm -hmm. winter like this, where we really are lacking the kind of light that makes us feel like we're energetic, like we're motivated, like we're mm -hmm. positive. And so, you know, the one thing that I always say to people is it's super real. If you look at the brains of people um, on MRI scans with seasonal affective disorder, they look exactly like the brains of deeply depressed people. Those areas of the brains that go kind of stagnant look exactly the same, you know? Mm -hmm. What are your top uh, 
three tips then for people to take care of themselves this time of year? I mean, are light boxes working for anyone? You know, light boxes do work. Um, they didn't work for me. I just, I think it's really important to say like what the data shows versus what works from person to person. And for me, I didn't notice any difference at all. I did engage in an entire series of cognitive behavioral therapy lessons to learn how to deal with seasonal affective disorder. And mm. that's kind of a strategy where they teach you how to actually think differently about how sad you are. Interesting. Yeah. And I have to say, in Oregon, there are CBT classes specifically for SAD. So look up those three things, CBT for SAD. Is that where you tap yourself? When you No. Cognitive behavioral therapy is all about training you to recognize your thoughts, the things mm -hmm. you're telling yourself, and how to reframe in a way that might be more helpful for you to move into an action mode. I will also say getting the hell out of the city and into <laughs> light is so important. I know yeah. people people like to like put off their little weekend vacation until March or April when the weather is nicer, but I'm not saying get on a plane. I'm saying go up to Mount Hood, get above the level where that slate gray impact is really bringing you down. I used to drive over to Bend just far enough so that I could have that break, even if it was just to walk around in nature where there was actual light in that day. I mean, I know it sounds extreme to get in your car and drive to get natural light, but I think um, seasonal affective disorder is extreme. So I was really escaping it. And then, you know, many people just, they do, they go on SSRIs from November until April. Their doctors suggested a very low level Mm -hmm. of some sort of antidepressant really helps with that serotonin push to get you through those months. Man, it almost feels like we shouldn't be living here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. It's such a cool place. No, of it's course. It's such a good it's, place. But it's just when you get into that mindset, you're just like, but why am I putting myself through all this? Uh -huh. Who's yeah. yeah. I mean, because when it's raining and, it, and, and the sunset's at four and you just don't want to get out of the house Aside from Mount Hood, do you have any other suggestions when you just want to like lay in bed under the blankets all day? Yes. I, well, listen, you're speaking my language. One of the doctors who's on my team is Dr. Norman Rosenthal, whose team actually coined the phrase seasonal affective disorder. And he was really interested in it because he saw the impact on artists, especially mm -hmm. creative people, how much it brought down their moods during their winter months and their productivity. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that he always talks about is making sure that even if you feel like you just want to get under the covers, putting something on the calendar with people who will hold you accountable so that you're actually training your body that that's not what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, I started writing group during one of my worst periods of seasonal affective disorder. And I have to tell you, it was hell getting me out of the house. Every fiber in my body did not want to go. And yet once I was there with other people talking about something creative, it really helped bring my mood up. And you have to build on those little tiny things that help with mood. Yeah. That's interesting. I do force myself after work to go somewhere where I can talk to another human being that isn't on the computer screen. Yeah. Because it feels yeah. really, you know, it feels like a dream world, you know, and then it's That's a right. continuation of That's your entire right. day. You're just like, okay, I woke up, I stared at this thing. I didn't move yeah. for like 
eight to 10 hours and now I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to do it all over again. And how can you not get depressed? You know, that's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. Well, your instincts are correct because once you're out and you notice yourself kind of feeling better, that's when you take a cue from it to go, okay, this is the kind of thing that I actually need to be engaging in during these winter months. Yeah. Sometimes that is easier said than done. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. That you you brought up about the importance of peer support in a sense of involving other people in your well-being, because a lot of us do um, gain a lot of wellness by interacting with another human being in a positive way. That's uh, right. I'd love to hear more ideas or, or resources that you might know, because especially it's so hard to, to find a good therapist, especially for um, low-income people or people of color mm-hmm. in this area. So what kinds of things uh, should someone do who needs extra help, but maybe doesn't have the means? So there are some community-based, nonprofit, wholly therapeutic options for people. I would look, honestly, through Multnomah County free mental health services. There's a long list of neighborhood-based places that actually come up, and they are starting to see people in person. But I think we make a mistake believing that we need to see a therapist when we can actually get so much of our well-being by talking to friends who understand us mentors who are interested in what we're doing at work and what our personal lives are like, and actually not spending the amount of money that it takes for therapy. I am really a huge fan. And finally, the mental health world is kind of moving that way where peer support is getting just as much a kind of nod as other traditional therapeutic models. You know, it's so funny. We started this uh, interview really open in a sense of like, oh, here are some general things for people to learn from you. But as we've been going on, I feel like I'm just, I'm just asking you about my personal. (laughs) I think that's what everybody does though. Yeah, And I I was like, (laughs) oh man, like, I was like, wait, wait, hold on. Let's talk about regimens for me. Maybe some, it'll help somebody else. Uh Uh, So what things can I do to help others that I know if they're having a rough time? It's so hard to even know that you're depressed. I know. Sometimes it's hard to understand when someone else is depressed. Honestly, Claudia, I think you just hit on one of the most important parts about mental health. If you recognize in yourself the vulnerability that says, I'm actually not doing okay, and you're willing to say it to me, you're willing to say it to another human being who's actually taking an interest in you. That is kind of, there's a lot of data to back this up. The most powerful thing you can do to change your mindset is to say, I'm not doing very well. Can I talk about what's going on? And it does not have to be to a therapist. Now, if you have a serious mental illness and you're actually uh, considering suicide, you absolutely need to talk to a professional. But the first part is that recognition in ourselves. We are all human. We all struggle, and especially in the Northwest, a lot of us struggle from November until May. And so I would say first recognizing in yourself, what is it that's really going wrong? How is it that I can change my repetitive patterns so that I can help kind of bust out of this way of either thinking or modeling or being? And one of the best things that I found that's totally free is the apps that are coming online. They're really helpful. There's an app called How We Feel. And what it does is it kind of gives you the language for how you're feeling that day. It sort of teaches you about 
some of the missteps we make in our thinking. If you get into um, sort of catastrophic thinking or believing that things are never going to get better, and then it dumps you into a video where you're actually learning CBT for free. Mm-hmm. One of the other apps that I'm using right now just religiously is called Positive Intelligence. And it was created by one of the most renowned behavioral scientists in the world. And he's offering all of his data, all of his videos, all of his training for free. And then, Claudia, just for you personally, Mm -hmm. start taking vitamin D supplements. They actually really, really work. It's like so well known that those of us in the Northwest have catastrophically low vitamin D levels and you can't even process the amount of light you're getting if you don't have proper vitamin D. So supplement. Yeah. My major thing is that I get ridiculously tired. Like, yeah. And I'm, and I'm now realizing like, oh wait, is that depression? Like I can't do anything else. Yep. And so just getting over that hurdle, like what would you recommend to someone who after work is just like shutting down? Okay. So Claudia, this is, this is what I speak to executives all over the country about, which is We are not trained as human beings to work the amount of focus that we're asking our brains to process, the amount of information that we're taking in in a day. Our brains have not actually evolved to be able to do this. And so out of Stanford's clinics, they've been able to show the most you should be focusing in the course of one day is an hour and a half at a time. And then you should be taking a break for yourself, whether it's you walk outside, you lay down on your floor. You actually come into your senses and anchor oneself in the moment of your body, your breathing. Mm -hmm. All of this stuff is really powerful because it actually kind of helps the brain do a reset. This is one of the most, like I think, best kept secrets for people to avoid exhaustion at the end of the day is to get the F up. Mm -hmm. Get up, walk away from your computer and tell me whether or not you notice a difference. Yeah. The second thing. Uh-huh. You got to drink more water. You know, I, I've been trying to, but I keep spilling it everywhere. Um, <laughs> because dehydration is one of the major yeah. reasons that we're so friggin' tired. And then I would also just say, I have a huge impulse toward carbohydrates in the winter because this is what our body is telling us. I need to have carbohydrates to soar. Like having snacks near your desk that actually are made with lots of high protein and lots of vegetables and very little sugar. You'll feel a difference if you can try not to have the wine and the pasta. So it really is a combination of diet, of brain breaks, and making sure that you're actually really taking good physical care of your body. Right. Well, thank you. I'm going to take your first piece of advice of um, immediately. I'm going to tie myself today and take some breaks. Uh, yeah. You know, John, I hope you heard that. All right, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I will report back. I hope anyone else who's listening who has a similar lifestyle as mine um, does it with me because I'll see if this is going to work. <laughs> Thank you, Sheila. This is this was really enlightening. Yeah, absolutely. If you or anyone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, you can always call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Someone's there 24 hours a day, ready to help. And we'll also have links to more resources in our show notes. Thanks again to CityCast Portland for sharing the work you do and myself and Beyond Well. We loved being a part of your show. 
If you like this episode or any other episodes you've heard, please give us a thumbs up wherever you listen to podcasts, especially if it's Apple.